Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is to speak or not to speak. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, this particular subject comes to us via you. It does. My suggestion this week, which yes. is pretty rare. But it stems from some late night viewing on Netflix, correct? It does. So Sunday evening, I was home alone and turned on Netflix looking for something mildly brainless to watch and found myself choosing Miss Americana, which is the documentary about Taylor Swift. Okay. I had seen some reviews where they were like, this is surprisingly not awful. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to watch this. I know nothing about Taylor Swift. I will be <laughs> sure. 100% honest, really not a part of the world that I have been engaged in. So I watched the documentary and it was actually really interesting and really fascinating to watch. And one of the pieces that I found very intriguing was this whole section of her story where she chooses to speak out about politics for the first time. Yep. And I remember it. Like, I remember when there was the big tweet on her social media coming out in support of a particular Democratic candidate during the midterm elections. Yep. I remember the kind of fuss people made about it, and it got lots of news and coverage. And this was a kind of behind-the-scenes look as she was making the decision to make the post. Sure. And all of the... I don't want to use the word angst. I think that term sometimes dismisses the emotional labor that goes into that kind of a thing when we use the term angst. How do how because so? we we say like, oh, it's just so full of teenage angst, mm. right? And we downplay the real emotional labor that goes into experiencing something when you're experiencing angst about a decision. Sure. So it shows this real journey that she goes on about feeling like she was compelled to speak and the break in her values from what was being represented and this incredible kind of disjointedness of what she believes and what was being represented and recognizing power and privilege and capacities. And then she makes the decisions and it shows her community's reaction. So the mm -hmm. people who are in charge of like keeping her alive, for example, and recognizing that this could increase hate crimes towards her. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is coming fairly distantly on the heels of the Dixie Chicks when they came out against President Bush and they took all the flack in the world and they still haven't really come back from that. It does not surprise me that it took a lot of soul searching to get there. And that was exactly what was referenced in the documentary was what had happened to the Dixie Chicks. I believe it. And she herself talked about how the labels would say, don't be like them and, oh, yeah. you know, use it as a warning and as a silencer in some ways. Oh, totally. And I was fascinated. And, you know, obviously she made the decision to make the post and it shows the moment when she makes the post and you see kind of behind the scenes sure. of her and her publicist and her mom in the room making the post in the immediate aftermath. And then it shows everything she faced because of it. And our culture has gotten so toxic. 
That's a good word for it. Right? And so when we make our opinions, when people state opinions, we end up having this incredible like pile on of vitriol and hate and dismissive and derisiveness. And I think as I was pondering through, as I was watching this Taylor Swift documentary, while I'm recovering from being sick (laughs) and really tired, I was just fascinated by this idea of how do we decide when we speak and when we don't speak? Yep. How do we choose to make a stand and make a statement about something that is our opinion but is based on and informed by our morals, our ethics, our faith. At one point in time, Taylor Swift, I can't believe I'm quoting this, not because I don't think she's an incredible professional. It's just not the world I run in. And she says, this is being done as Tennessee Christian values. And I'm from Tennessee. Yeah. And I'm Christian. And these aren't my values. And she was in tears at that point. This is not my values, my faith, and who I am lead me to this, right? So how do we as people in this culture take our faith and our values and who we are and dare to make stands and dare to speak in order to share our perspective, leverage our privilege, right? Taylor is a wealthy white woman, Yeah. She's got a ton of privilege with millions of followers, right? So she's an influencer, right? So how do you leverage your privilege to make an impact? That's on this big level, but even on a small level, then I, as a parish pastor, have to wrestle with how do I make this choice? What do I put out on my social media? What do I say in public situations that's being recorded and could be Used Used against, right? All of this kind of how do we do this? How do we choose when to speak and when not to speak in our current climate when our faith and our values compel us to do so? Sadly, I find myself more often than not silent. Not necessarily that I don't feel strongly about something as much as I don't want to hurt anybody else's feelings or get into a what tends to be a useless argument because I could post things all day long on Facebook with people whom I care about, but they don't share my values on it. And all it's going to do is create more heartache and pain. And I'm trying to balance where Mm -hmm. does my silence versus the heartache and pain balance out. And it's tough, especially given the current election cycle and where we are in this culture today. Absolutely. I feel the same way, right? More often than not, I am also silent in these situations. And as soon as I say that, I hear any person with less privilege than I do being so angry in my head. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? Any of my queer friends, any of the people of color in my life, like saying, you have privilege and you're staying quiet. That is awful. Like, yeah. it's convicting. Well, and when I do say something, I feel so good about it. <laughs> right? Because yeah. I'm also very careful not to say it in a way that's intentionally incendiary. Right. I try to do it in a way that is stating an opinion, as we talked about last week, not taking pot shots necessarily. Right. 
but even then it's hard. Oh, it's hard. It's super hard. I wanted to talk about that this week because I think that as we head into the election more and more, like Facebook is especially hard because you're not only getting the person that you're engaging with, but you get anybody else who wants to pile on and social media all has that anonymous aspect to it where it's really easy to say terrible, terrible things because you're not actually face to face with somebody. I think it's also depends upon what medium because Facebook, I can minimize the number of random people who can impact on what I say. Sure. Right. I can only limit things to friends or I can even limit down to a smaller group of friends. I don't have to say pure statements out in big areas. So I feel actually safer on Facebook really? than in some other places. Twitter, on the other hand, mm. who boy, you can't control your audience on Twitter. Anything you post on there is public and anything you like on there is public. Whoa. And I had a colleague who applied for a job and had some background report run on them and they received like a 45 page document of all of their likes and retweets. Really? There's a company that will sift your Twitter profile and put what you have liked and what you have retweeted and label it as good or bad concerning or not concerning. I mean, talk for about employment. a silencing thing, right? You can't even like something without some algorithm somewhere wasn't necessarily doing an accurate read of no. the situation because no, it this can't purely read numbers at this it's point purely right numbers and an algorithm right it doesn't get sarcasm no <laughs> right? no and so there's so many ways in which what we do say and what we do dare to put into the world can be misconstrued can be twisted can be used against us yeah. in a million different ways. And so the question becomes, how do we choose what we do and we don't take the risk for? Knowing that our marginalized communities are looking at white women and saying, step it up. Exactly. And I think we owe that. I mean, <laughs> it was white women who shifted the election in our last elections. So yeah. White women have a significant role to play in learning how to use our voice and how to speak and how to stand for something and not back down and play nice and be afraid to hurt people's feelings, right? We're trained and conditioned to not speak and not make these bold statements. And I think we're at a point in time where we have to fight that. Mm -hmm. But it's fascinating what you can and cannot do as an individual. And so often it feels like as one person in one tiny little corner of the world, there's no way I can make a change. And yet. And yet. And yet, because we have people who are watching us, whether that is for a parish pastor, I have my parish and I have all of the people who know me outside of the parish who are looking for me to be a Christian influence in a way that speaks truth to love and power and fights for a Christianity that is Jesus-based in a way that brings about good things. And I think in some ways I boil it down to your daughter is watching. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. Half the time in my life, the ones that I'm thinking of 
when I think of getting the courage to speak or not to speak, when I'm trying to find the way whether or not to put my neck on the line, whether or not to stand for something and make clear where I stand on a controversial topic, and I'm going to put it on social media, or I'm going to say it from the pulpit, or I'm going to show up at something with my collar on, and I'm going to allow my picture to be taken, right? Any of those kinds of opportunities, which I am always cognizant of when I make those decisions. Oh, sure. I'm thinking of your daughter, and I'm thinking of the children in this congregation, the young children, regardless of gender, who are watching to see what their pastor thinks of these things and what courage does their pastor have for speaking up because they are the ones whose future we are fighting for. When it comes to climate disruption, when it comes to equal pay, when it comes to making a change in the educational system so that they aren't burdened with the level of educational debt that I have. Mm-hmm. Right. They are the ones who will be recipients of my voice. I owe it to them. I can be more courageous when I'm thinking of them. If all I'm thinking of is the people older than me who are going to pile onto me and tell me how dumb I am for the things that I say. Yep. Then I'm just going to stay silent because I don't have the energy for that. If I can think of those who are coming behind me chronologically, I will it's take the heat for it. them. It is right? worth it. Absolutely. Right? And that, I think, is where I find when I have taken stands, when I have been public about something, when I have made clear something on a controversial topic, it is those following behind that are the ones that inspire me to speak. Oh, absolutely. Anytime I buy a T-shirt that has a slogan or is money towards whatever, it's as much the silent protest of wearing that T-shirt in public yeah. as it is showing my child that this is where I'm drawing this line and I'm going to try to help this way. Do something. Yeah. And you do that often. I do. That is one thing that I want to lift up is that maybe we don't post a controversial statement on Twitter where everybody can see it, right? We are not all going to have the kind of impact that Taylor Swift has where the president of the United States makes a comment about us within hours of the post, right? Sure. That's not... Maybe it's not that's the not level where not, most of us are at. Right. But maybe wearing a T-shirt that makes clear that you stand against continued gun violence yeah. can make it clear to people who are looking at you, here's my values. Here's what matters to me. And in the same way, I challenged us in worship a couple of weeks ago to wear our crosses publicly, to not just try to be subtle about our Christian faith, but to make an obvious stand about our faith. I think that kind of a piece is a step towards finding our voice. Yep. Representing ourselves publicly and representing our beliefs and our values and our morals publicly through what we do, what we look, how we dress. It's a step. It's something. It's something. Which is definitely better than nothing. And we could all use the push to speak louder. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's the other fascinating part of it. When I do see people on social media who are willing to put themselves out there and say something, I am doing my best to support that. Mm. And it pushes me to go, oh, yeah, there are other people out there who believe that I do. It's not going to be an outright dumpster fire if I say something terrible. <laughs> there is some positive changes that can be made. But it's hard. It's really hard. It's real hard work. <laughs> not going to downplay that. Okay, so I'm going to ask... 
as somebody who has way more of a following than I do necessarily in terms of social media mm-hmm. and, and people who are listening to you, how do you manage any negative responses that you get? It's hard. And I don't get nearly the kind of response level that some of my colleagues do. I watch some who get quite a bit and they manage it really well. I think it's important to remember, we've talked about it before, Brene Brown's two inch square of people who matter. I think that really matters to remember that it's a two inch square of individuals who know you and know you well, that if they come back and say, hey, you made a choice to make, say this statement. Mm -hmm. And while it is your opinion, you're in a position where that's going to come across as fact now. So you might want to consider making it more clear that that's an opinion and not a fact. Okay. Right. That kind of a feedback I can get from really close friends who know me and who love me and I'll take that and I'll run with it. If I'm getting random hate messages from someone random out in the world, a couple of things, report it if it's on social media and it's actually threatening Sure. Right. So when I've had a Yelp review that was physically threatening towards me, that kind of a thing, like report it, you report that and then do something kind for yourself. Like remember that it's not about you personally, but you will still feel it personally. That makes perfect sense. Right. And make space for your personal processing of that experience. You don't have to make that space publicly, but I think you need to make that space privately. And especially if it's the first times that you're experiencing that and you want to be like, oh, well, it's just some strange rando. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. La, 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 la. It doesn't bug me, doesn't bug me, doesn't bug me. Oh, my gosh, it totally bugs me. Right? So take that step back, respond to it professionally in whatever way that you need to with reporting it on Facebook and having other people report it. Do that kind of stuff and then step back to that postage stamp of people Mm -hmm. and say, this was real scary and this was a really hard experience and let them love on you or do something that is very kind to yourself. Get your favorite food or your favorite bottle of wine or go for a really long walk or buy a fresh skein of yarn. I don't know. Do Mm -hmm. something nice and kind and gentle and recognize that those kinds of hits that are coming more and more now are not personal, but you will feel them. And give it space and time. Excellent. Okay, this is going to bring me to my last question. Is there something that you regret not speaking up for? Yes. <laughs> a lot I of think things. that's human because right. I have a long list in my own head. Right. I'm trying to think if there's any one in particular that I would say. Mine is I wish I would have spoken up more about my children being in school and having to do the drills for the active shooters <sighs> because that breaks my heart. Mm. All the stories that you hear about what the kids go through, and especially as my daughter is in middle school, and they will have accidental drills, like a button will be pushed accidentally, and it will trigger one of these drills. Oh, no. And because the teachers don't know that it's coming. Oh, no. Nobody really has any idea. I don't know that the older generation quite understands the stark fear that this current school age generation is going through. Wow. And that breaks my heart. And for Mm -hmm. that, 
I wish I would have said something when my oldest was younger. Hmm. Hence Mm -hmm. my t-shirt now. That's right. Absolutely. I can think of a lot of things I wish I had said earlier in my ministry. Sure. And I understand why I didn't. And I think I'm still working towards figuring out what it means and how it means to speak now and how to do that responsibly and carefully and powerfully. Sure. Well, I think that if you say something without a lot of background knowledge, you may end up doing more harm than good, which is the other thing I worry about. Mm -hmm. And as Lutherans, we tend to like educate ourselves into silence Yes, that's real. (laughs) Right. We don't say anything publicly until we have all of the facts and we can never have all of the facts. So we don't say anything at all. Yep. I'm hitting up against that wall, I think, in that desire to have enough information before I make a public statement of any kind. And at the same time, never quite feeling like I have enough information to make a public statement. And so how do I find that spot where I'm going to make a statement? And if I'm wrong, I'm just going to keep going forward anyway. Yep. And I haven't quite figured that out yet, mm-hmm. I think, but I'm recognizing it. Yeah, that's something. Something. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about speaking up or speaking not at all. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for listening. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org or find us on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.